Welcome to Know Your Audience, a marketing mini cast that explores how knowing an audience can unlock greater insight. In this episode, we talk about how to sell stuff. The reality is the model for engaging with audiences to sell to them has not changed. What has changed is how we use the model. By rethinking our flywheel of sales and thinking audience first, not product, we can have a profound impact on our marketing outcomes. We've talked about a lot of different ways and things to consider with respect to how we market the audience, the influences on that audience, the creator. So what's the model we're looking at now? What's changed? What's the same? There's always been a model, I think, in, in brand building and selling a product. So this comes all, all the way back to selling stuff, <laughs> whether that's like I've talked about multiple times. Yeah, that it? doesn't change really, does it? I mean, it's, no. it's the same, same, same. No, it just it change, it, it reverses direction. So the original model was develop a product, you know, find a need in the industry, you know, particularly in FMCG, it would be establishing either that there's competition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so one of your competitors is doing something and you need to get the share in that space or a need, a, a new need for something, you know, like a healthier version of something or, you know, a new recipe or whatever it is in food or it could be new fragrance. Yeah, you know, We see this over and over and over again with toothpaste. Yes. yes. <laughs> Flor uh, fluoride, whitening, sparkling, tartar fighter, bacteria fighter, bad breath. Yeah. Bad breath. It, it, it happens on a monthly basis. There's a new need. There's a new concoction. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that traditional model is to come up with that product build a brand around that. So I know with toothpaste, you know, they're typically attached to existing brands. Colgate, McLean's. Yeah, but you Crest. might create, yeah. <laughs> Sensodyne. Yeah. You know them all. <laughs> but the, uh, but the, other, the other thing is that sometimes uh, a brand needs to be created, particularly if you're already in that category and you don't want to maybe cannibalize, you know, or um, your own being and you want, you want to drive something away from a competitor, you might come up with, you know, toothpaste B is the worst name. Um, of a toothpaste brand ever and then you buy an audience you advertise or you promote you know you cut price and and what we've been talking about over and over again in these episodes is moving away from buying an audience to creating an audience building yeah, yeah. And, and 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 the audience first model is just that exact same thing but reversed and it becomes a instead of you know product brand audience it's audience brand product and what it is is building that audience and, and there's nothing wrong with buying into if you're a brand buying that audience but if you can form a community around something by the the content that you're creating what you're sharing the love of a product that exists you know it doesn't necessarily mean a huge investment in an online community or something like there are many loved products in the world where you know the brand probably isn't even considered it's the product it's a utility it's um something that just always works and then that becomes uh, something that you really maybe not adore because you're not going to go talk to people. But yeah, that's a great thing. You know, I always buy that because I know it's, it's going to work. You know, or it's you know it's going to taste great, or you know that type of thing. That is an example of building an audience and having an audience at your disposal. And and basically by looking at what entertains the audience around your product, so whether it is by your unique selling points or whether it's by content or anything like that, you build the audience. What's happening now is that the creators who understand this then become a brand. They become a brand because they, they don't might, might not necessarily release a product, but some do. There are lots of people out there who have created brands that 
around um, themselves, but also products. And and what that does is it gives an identity to something that people haven't been able to tangibly put their finger on. And, and you might already have that if you're an existing brand. So you've got that asset already. You've got that piece of the puzzle. What you've done is create a stronger connection to that part of the, the – and it's a flywheel. It's something that spins. You know, once these elements of that wheel spin, it self-perpetuates. And the last step is bringing that product to the market with the audience. So what these creators are doing is they build an audience, they grow this YouTube, you know, 50, 60 million subscribers or less, <laughs> or quite often less than that because that's at the top channels. But then they sort of develop a brand either around themselves. In the Mr. Beast example we gave a few episodes ago, that's an example. And then from there, different products are released. We talked to, again about Mr. Beast earlier, releasing burger restaurant. That's the products into the market. You get the feedback from those products you can develop them more, but you bring more audience in. So at each point, the social proof in this chain, this chain becomes a point where people want to share things. They share. So when you're building an audience, they're sharing the content. When you build a brand, they talk about you. And when you have a product, they consume it. And they often share those occasions. It's not often that we're completely silent about what we consume. And so that then creates social proof, which then means this spins harder. So you build a bigger audience and your brand becomes a bit more maybe diversified. You come up with a new one, new products, et cetera, et cetera. And it just spins and it becomes self-perpetuating for a series of time until you stop. And at some point, you, you know, if you stop, then that will slow down. That's right. just the nature of, of how all this works. So it's a quick question. Do we see this flywheel of old and new working together or do they tend, do we tend to concentrate on one way of thinking about building our brand and audience versus the other? It's certainly complementary, and I think it's not going to replace traditional models. What it does, it gives, it gives a new dimension to be a bit more experimental, particularly in new product stuff to really understand an audience before you jump into something. So decrease failure rates, for example, and things like that, because you've built the audience first, you understand them implicitly, you can then feed that in. But this also sort of feeds into that more traditional model by better understanding an audience. So being first about that audience, thinking about that instead of your product first. It's a hard shift to make because it's not really necessarily what everybody's taught about marketing, but it's something that brands can learn so much from by just observing even people who are operating this flywheel first. So it doesn't necessarily mean if that's the way you've always done it and you've got a systemic culture inside a company that's not going to allow for something like this to happen, either deploy it for new products or observe from it, learn from it, take the best elements of each of that cycle and use that to build brand in a more sustainable way, in a way that people can engage with on a way in a way that isn't just because you've paid to get your black and white logo in front of their face. And and this is what becomes really critical because it, it's it's not a framework at all of doing anything. It's it's a it's this flywheel spins, you know, and it spins while it's being fed. And once it stops spinning, then obviously things stop. So it has to be fed all the time. So that's the thing. But you're not necessarily feeding it with money here, you're feeding it with insight and understanding and, and, and all those things. So it can definitely feed back into a more traditional model. And th this whole process of getting more insights happens constantly, unlike our more traditional research, which we've talked about. Yeah. You're, you're constantly getting updates in real time. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the greatest thing that 
particularly people in advertising is, is to sell that people change. Um, when we don't change, we haven't changed really for hundreds of years. Our context changes all the time. So our patterns of behavior get altered. But the true fundamental being of humans is that we're very predictable, first of all, and we, we don't change a lot. And by understanding the context of people's lives changing, then you, you begin to understand them a lot better. And then that helps things. For instance, the one-on-one -on -one research is still really valuable, but we gave an ep example in a few episodes about how framing questions becomes more important to how people might reply to those. If you understand implicitly that person or that group or that audience's context, then you're able to better frame a brief for a researcher to ask the right questions instead of potentially getting um, answers that might not be that relevant to them. The takeaway from this episode is we are predictable and the better we understand the context of audience choice, the better we will be able to frame our campaigns and research. This doesn't have to mean upending our institution. It simply means being open or receptive to employing the tools we are familiar with in a different way. Asking better questions gives us a better understanding of the audience. You can get in touch with me across the socials at the JamesCast or james at thejamescast.com. And get in touch with me, Paul, through d-a.co or otherwise email me at paul.kelly at d-a.co. Thanks for listening.